0: Welcome to this podcast from Christchurch Blackpool. For more information, please visit ccblackpool.co.uk. Hello, um, great to speak to you today, Christchurch Blackpool, um, recording this um, from the comfort of my own home with my coronavirus haircut, as you can see, it's getting quite long now, it's probably the longest I've ever had it. Um... It's uh, (laughs) desperate to get to the barbers at some point soon. I hope you guys are doing well. Um, I've missed not being able to come down and see you, um, and missed not being able to see lots of people in our our church families. I've I've seen a few of you over Zoom, which has been which has been great. Um, So I hope you're well. And um, today I'm kind to talk to you on Joshua, uh, the book of Joshua in the Old Testament, and we're going to look at chapter one. And uh, I'm going to get straight into it because I want to keep this. Fairly short and straight to the point. Um I guess before we even get into this passage, it's worth just saying this is one of the most uh famous passages in the Bible. So um an incredible passage which you may well have read several times before. And and I just felt a few things that God was prompting on my heart, particularly for um you guys in Blackpool. Um, as I prayed through this passage and thought about you guys and um prayed for you guys. I've just felt that this is a word in season for you. So I hope this is a blessing to you. So let's read it together. If you've got your Bibles on you, um, turn to Joshua chapter 1. We're going to read from verses 1 to 9. You can read the rest of the passage at some point later, but I'm going to focus in on these verses. So I'm going to read it out. It's after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord. The Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the river Jordan into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, to all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, So I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So if you've been around church for a while, this is a passage that you, you, you may well be familiar with. Um, some of you might not be familiar with but essentially the 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 time is is fairly clear where this happens is that we have like a a big moment really (laughs) a big moment where Moses who for for those of you who who don't know um, in the old testament is probably probably one of the most significant figures maybe the most significant figures in terms of the writing of the old testament Moses wrote a lot of the initial part of the old testament and certainly in terms of leading Israel out of slavery they were in slavery in Egypt he led them out of Egypt um, in fact the people of Israel saw mighty miracles they they were led through a parted the sea they were led for a desert time where there was um, miraculous provision from God for water for manna from heaven like a bread-like substance which sustained them for years and really um, if if you were Israelite at that time, you would have understood Moses to be the most phenomenal leader that you could ever imagine. And um, and the context of this passage is an interesting one because um, poor Joshua, he's kind of got a, um, a, a high task to live up to really. I remember someone telling me at work that the best the best person to take over from if you're taking a new job is take over from someone who's not doing a very good job because then you can only improve on that. And they said to me, never take over from someone who's done really, really well. Well, Joshua absolutely does that. He, he's taken over from um, an incredible leader in Moses. And in fact, Moses is referred to as a, as, as a friend, uh, God refers to him as his friend that he met face to face with him as a man talks to a man. Moses is described in the Bible as the most humble man, man on the planet, um, incredible servant of God. But yet somehow there was a sense in which actually the this time is really fascinating because Moses didn't take God's people into this new phase. In fact, he he died. He died and and it's really interesting, that's very sad, but yet, by the same token, there's something quite significant in him dying. And actually a new phase, a new a new season, a new era, a new page turning in God's book, as it were, in, into a new story, into a, a new thing. And in, in a sense, that's why some people have said that, that this, this point in scripture in the Old Testament is a little bit like is a little bit like a book of Acts in the New Testament where obviously we, we've got the Gospels and we know what happens in the Gospels is we we hear about the birth of Jesus, we hear about the uh, wonderful miracles and his teaching and we hear about him going to the cross and being crucified and um, dying in the place of sinful humanity, we hear about rocks splitting, graves are opening and People looking up as the the sky is dark and saying surely this was the son of man and then the the son of god and then what we see um on the third day is his resurrection so the gospels are there and in a sense Acts starts in a similar way it's like all of a sudden it's like well jesus is dead but then god's doing something new there's a new page being turned over and um, in the same way joshua is uh is stepping into the promises that have been given from God by from the ancients of de, the ancient of days, the 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 history of the people of Israel, from the promises that were given to Abraham that his descendants would outnumber the stars in the sky and that he would be a blessing to all nations, you know, those promises. And then what we hear then is a restatement of those promises that they'd be having land and a place for their own possession, but But actually a bit more specificity, a bit more like I'll give you every place where you'll set your foot. As I promised Moses, your territory extends from the desert to Lebanon. There's descriptions of where that would be. But this is a type of axe moment. You know, Moses is dead and the same way Jesus is dead and the church arises in the New Testament. Actually, what we see here is Moses is dead and then Joshua is moving into a new phase. It's a type of acts moment. And I really want to just focus on three main points. And they, these main points are just pulled straight out of the passage. Um, the first one is, is advance and breakthrough is initiated by God. That's the first one we're going to look at. The second one we're going to look at is the outrageousness of the promises of God. And then the third one is the people of faith. So let's take a look at the first one, advance and breakthrough initiated by God. So what do we see right at the start of this? The Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun. And um, it's really important for us to know that advance and breakthrough happens when it is initiated by God. So if you look at even the Gospels and look at, like the prophetic flutterings of of the Christmas story when when we hear like God beginning to speak about a saviour that would be born whether that be heard by shepherds or or by kings or by um, John the Baptist's mum or or, you know whoever it is we just get this beautiful picture of, of these kind of prophetic flutterings like this God is on the move God is about something new and there's something genuine in that, in the sense of there was a, a lot of silence, a few hundred years of silence um, in terms of scripture. And yet somehow something awakens, something births, which is truly of God. And I, I don't know about you, but um, I, I know myself as well, I've made a few kind of lockdown life, not that I'm in lockdown, I'm still working in the NHS um, fairly regularly, but my my I've had a few resolutions to make because at my weekends the way I describe it is I'm four days a week working and my weekends just feel quite chilled out so what I try and do is i've I set myself some goals for the weekends and I love doing that that's a good thing for me um but what i find if it, if it's something that that um that's particularly onerous or difficult, what I find is that You know, first couple of days of doing it, I'm quite good at discipline. I can just kind of crack on and do something mindlessly for a while. Um, But actually what happens is that, you know, it it gets hard work. It diminishes over time. There's a sense of, oh, there we go. I'm doing this again now. I'm doing this again, you know. Whether it be going out running every day for a while, I'll be like, yeah, this is great for the first week. And then the second week, I'm like, oh, I really don't want to go out running this week. Or whether it be like um, even just like I can... I can say, well, I'm really going to I'm going to get into um, like uh, re- uh, reading my Bible for an hour a day or something like that. I've set myself a little target. And what happens is it kind of, you know, you start with enthusiasm, you start with discipline and, and actually can diminish um, if, if it's not found in the right things. And dare I say, we find this in church and initiatives like whether it be, you know it's the year 2020 so we should have a 2020 vision shouldn't we <laughs> and uh, maybe a year of prayer for 2020 uh, initiation or rear year of outreach or a year of this or a year of that and and what we do is we drag people through it and we say yeah come on everyone let's get on board with this initiative let's do it let's let's give ourselves to it and everyone goes oh all right then yeah we'll do it and and you get going and it's a good thing you know it's a good thing but somehow it can get difficult and it can slow down and not this isn't always the case sometimes these things are really great um but you know sometimes we can start with enthusiasm and then and then it kind of can diminish and get harder and all the rest of it well do you know when God speaks it's so different to that see when when sometimes what we hear when 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 we're trying to force things, or trying to make things happen, is we start with infuse up and we push it. We start with a sense of yeah, we're going to do this, and it can diminish. Well, in in a sense, the way when God speaks, it happens differently. Often, often He will speak to us subtly or consistently, or be shaping our minds and our and, and our thoughts. Maybe we'll hear a prophetic word there, or we'll hear something else here, and something grows and builds. And and what we find is that actually, if it's a work of God it doesn't diminish, it grows. And and this is such an important principle of who God is. You know, God is the only one who can make anything grow. You know, if you ask yourself, even on a biological level, how did life start? We can't answer. We know life exists because God breathed life. We know it's because he initiated, he He sustains it as well and he grows it. And and no matter how clever we get intellectually, we can't create life. We can't do that. And and in the same way, spiritually, we can't create life in ourselves. We can't create life in our churches, even in and of ourselves. We can't do that. We can't conjure it up. We can't, you know, by having a good plan, we we can't make it happen. Actually, what we see right here, right to start with Joshua, is that there's a sense in which there's this incredible task in front of them. But God speaks. God speaks. God speaks to Joshua and he says, I will give you every place where your foot is set. See, the difference here is God has spoken. God has initiated. And in the same way, I, I, I know when we planted um, the church in Lancaster, it was actually really amazing to kind of have the location birthed in us over a period of time and different people experienced in different ways, but but certainly like I felt like God kind of gently spoke to us over several years, that he had a purpose and a plan for us in Lancaster and, and often on miraculous ways and in profound prophetic ways that that we can look back on now and we can see in our history, Katie and I can say that was God. You know, would undeniably God spoke <laughs> undeniably because humanly speaking that wasn't possible but yet God spoke and actually in, in the deepest darkest moments the the knowledge that God has spoken has sustained us has brought us through has given us strength and it has given us endurance see when God speaks it's authentic when God speaks it's real when God speaks something grows it doesn't diminish with time it grows with time, and right here at the start of this uh, this this book, this wonderful book, we see God initiates breakthrough. And in the same way, in the life of Christchurch Blackpool, you know, that's what we're looking for. We're looking to see what the heartbeat of God is. And often it's different to ours. <laughs> often we have to take time to listen. We have to take time to hear. We have to take time to pray together. To 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 sense where god is leading and 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 actually that sense of god we won't go unless you're with us we won't go unless you're with us and in a, in a sense we want to carry that into our decisions that we make in terms of strategically as a church but we also want to carry that into our lives we want to carry that sense into our workplaces god I want to go in here in your power. I want to know that you're with me. Now, we know God is with us, but there's a sense of priority about a firstness of what's going on. So often we humans, especially if we're competent, we can rely on our own skills, on our own ability to strategize or to plan or to come up with a good idea. You know, often God will attack (laughs) the foundations that make us rely on self in order that we can rely on him. And I know certainly in my experience that often when I've got too self-reliant, God will graciously give me an opportunity to learn how to trust in him again by maybe taking away one of the securities that I was standing on. You know, he loves us so much, but he wants us to be a people who know it's about him and his kingdom, about his glory at work. God initiates breakthrough. Secondly, the outrageousness of the promises of God. Now, I love I love the 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 ambition of of this passage, and um, and I, I wonder how Joshua took it because I, I feel like there's two potential ways he might have taken it. But let's read it. It's uh, verses three, three to six it says, "I will give you every place where you set your foot. As I promised Moses, your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hissite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west." No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. I'll never leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. So what is Joshua and the people of Israel on the verge of here? So they're on the verge of something completely impossible. Let's not sugarcoat this in any way shape or form if we go to chapter 6 verse 1 this is what it says about Jericho and these two verses are a demonstration of what we talked about before it says this now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites no one went out and no one came in then the Lord said to Joshua see I have delivered Jericho into your hands so the second verse is, see, I've delivered Jericho in your hands. And the first is, see, Jericho is securely shut. Now, I wonder which one of you, which one of those verses you fall on the side of. I, I think I'm a, I, I'm all too often a glass half empty kind of person, but I'll be totally honest with you. This, this isn't a glass half empty situation if you're looking at it humanly. It's a glass empty situation. The, the gates are securely shut. There's no chance. There's no hope. And actually, when you look at all of these locations, all of the people, the mighty people that live in these areas, actually Joshua is looking at something which is completely unobtainable. It's 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 massive. It's huge. The vision, the promises of God, are are just out there. They're they're huge. Now, the reality is we know they walked into this promise. They actually found this promise to be true. So I wonder when when Joshua said this, you can read it in two ways. You either, I guess you could look at this like in a kind of naive way. And I wonder if you did look at this naively and just like, oh, yeah, God's promised us all that. And um, in a sense, because it's sometime distant in the future, you can kind of just chill out because, you're like, yeah, God's promised us all that at some point in the future. And I'd like to think that maybe Joshua wasn't like that because... what God says to him later. So the second option which I prefer of how Joshua took that is I think Joshua knew the outrageousness and the reality of what that meant. Now the reality is here is that it's faith versus reality. See, we as the people of God have got a God who is sovereign over all. He is more wonderfully powerful, more gloriously awesome. Than we could ever comprehend. What he's capable of doing is way beyond what he can what we can imagine. And actually, what verse are we more comfortable with? We're we're more comfortable in general with the gates of Jericho are shut. <laughs> That's the verse we're comfortable with. The verse we're not so comfortable with is see, I've delivered Jericho into your hands. And um the promises of God in this passage in, in Joshua would have seemed unattainable, would have seemed so not out there and so crazy to them. But what are the promises of God for now? What are they now speaking to us? What are they saying to you in Blackpool? What what is it about um, what God is doing at this time that is speaking to you? Well, the the promises of God are this: the promises of God is that His kingdom will come; is that the gospel will be preached? In fact, that the gospels would, the gospel will be preached in all nations. the The promises of God is this: that many will be made disciples. That churches will be planted, that the dead will be raised, that the sick will be healed. Through the heartbeat of God in the church, orphans adopted into families, the poor loved, widows cared for, the weak shown honour. There's faith even that there are tens of thousands of people in Blackpool that need to come to know Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. There's faith for provision finances, faith for personal circumstances that seem completely unobtainable. You see, when we look at all of that, again, just as Joshua could have looked at the land that he was going to step into and gone, humanly speaking, no chance, no chance. You know, it's not even that Joshua could have come up with a really, really good three-step plan like, actually, guys, Israel, I just want to get to you together now um, because we're thinking of taking over all this area. And I've got a three step plan that I'd like to introduce you to. <laughs> no, absolute rubbish. What it rests on is the promises of God. And in the same way, if we want to see the kingdom come, if we want to see the gospel preached, we want to see many disciples made. If we want to see churches planted, dead, raised, sick, killed, orphans cared for, um, the blind seeing. If we want to see that, that is about God. And his promises outworked in our community his promises that we work on so what's required of us and this is my final point and i'm going to finish up so finally the people of faith so we've had advance and breakthroughs initiated by god secondly we said what's the outrageousness of the promises of god and we've kind of opened that up a tiny bit and then lastly the people of faith so let's just have a look at verses six through nine again and This is really important. It says, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Hebrews 11 verse verse 30 puts it really simply. It says this. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down. Our life as Christians is not meant to be a life that we live on probabilities. We, we're not meant to live our life going, I think this will work. We're not meant to live our life on a practical level, uh, going through the motions, trying to do things that are, are reasonable or, you know, I think, I think that'll be okay. And I'm not poo-pooing strategy in that. But actually what we say here is that by faith, the walls of Jericho came down. We can't Be unaware, brothers and sisters, that actually the major breakthroughs that we see is about us trusting in a God who is able to do far more abundantly beyond what we can ask or imagine. And actually, we need to get used to putting ourselves in situations where we need to show faith. We need to exhibit faith to other people because we need to be able to in a place where we can declare the promises of God over the situations that we face in our life. We need to be able to look at situations where humanly they're impossible. We can't see how they can work and actually say, actually, I'm a person of faith. We need to sometimes look at financial conundrums in the church and say, oh, my goodness, there's only 35 of us, but we need 100 grand. How will that ever happen? Well, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. We sometimes need to look at things like Alpha courses. And really go out there maybe and, and invest in it or some evangelistic initiative and, and you get to a point in them often and i don't know if you guys get this as well where you think i don't know if anyone's going to turn up i i and i i feel like i've got no power i've done everything i possibly can that people could turn up but god we need you <laughs> and um, we're meant to be a people of faith we're meant to live. On that knife edge of faith, and actually, we can so easily fall into comfortable non faith living actually, we're not meant to be called that. we're meant to be people standing in faith, moving in faith, praying in faith on the edge of what should be we should be going for, bringing pictures and words over people when we know it's a risk, um doing things um in in our in our lives in in our homes that are courageous, not not because we're doing it for the sake of it because we're actively trusting in God in those situations and putting him first so that be strong and courageous is repeated three times and I love that because there's, there's echoes throughout scripture of things being repeated three times you might think of like Peter um, denying Jesus three times and the, the moment where he's asked to say to Jesus do you, do you love me Peter and he's asked three times and um, if you've got children, which I know many of you have got, um, I always think of this is like my brush the teeth test. It's like if I really, really want my kids to brush their teeth. So I have to say it at least three times. It's like if I say it once, they probably won't do it. So by the time I've said it a third time, um, they're probably going to hear it. And actually, I think there's a sense in which God is really speaking this into us through this passage. Be strong. And courageous. Um, I'm going to come back to that very shortly. But the next thing is no one will be able to stand in your way. That's such a beautiful passage. No one will be able to stand in your way. Um, The implication being it's going to be easy. It's going to be easy. No, that's not the implication. No one will be able to stand in your way. That doesn't mean people won't stand in your way. Actually, I think the implication is from that passage. They will stand in your way, but they won't be able to stand there. Um, there's a passage, there's part of that passage that says, do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. Again, the implication is not you won't feel that. The implication is humanly, we will feel afraid. Humanly, we will feel discouraged. But we're told to not feel that. And in fact, if we look at that, if we look at be strong and courageous, well, what, what strength and courage? What what should we look at in, in terms of strength and courage? And very, very quickly, the way the way I view the word strength is that I think the strength that we stand in is not our own strength. And this is so important, whether or not you are a particularly strong person or a particularly weak person. If you feel fragile or if you feel really, really actually fine and like, I can do a lot. The truth is this, the strength you stand in is not your own. And if you stand in your own strength, you will fall. Um, I've experienced this. <laughs> I've experienced as a, someone who's been both strong and weak on different occasions in my life when I stand in my own strength I know it's deeply frustrating I know I get into dark places and I know I struggle to see breakthrough and I struggle to find joy in my Christian life but when I stand in the strength of God and who he is Ephesians 6 says this the armor of God in that section it says finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might that's what we're strong in. We stand in his might. It's almost as if, um, I don't know if you guys have ever been in lots of fights. As a young person, I got into fights and I remember once being quite cocky in a fight because I had three mates with me. And I always remember it's quite easy to be quite kind of courageous when the person standing next to you is really big (laughs) and looks really tough. In fact, you you could argue the Philistines did that with Goliath. Um, But um, but. Uh, much to their detriment. But the point here is that actually if you stand in the strength of God, actually God is in your corner. Do you know what that means? That means when the demons are looking at you, they see you, but they see past you and see God in your corner. And you know, they're scared. (laughs) That's the strength you stand in. So it's physically just saying, I know whose strength I stand in. The strength isn't mine. The strength is God's who's able to create the world with a word of his power he spoke creation into being that's the awesomeness of who god is and um what's courage courage is the uh, activity of confronting fear so being courageous is is i think the best definition i can find of courage is the idea of um facing up to in spite of fear so the reality is often we do experience fear. We often do fear rejection. We fear stepping out too far. I mean, some people here might, you you might be listening today and you just think, oh, I just couldn't do that. I just couldn't do that. And it's not that you don't want to. It's not that you haven't got a passion for Jesus and you don't want to see the lost saved or you don't want to share with your friends about, you know, what you did at the weekend. It's that there's fear that somehow you might get rejected. Well, courage, being courageous, isn't the person who's not scared of that. Um, That's not courageous for them. They, they, They kind of don't care. Courage for you is facing up to your fears and overcoming them. So each one of us uniquely has to have courage for uniquely different situations. And that courage is important in our walk with God so that we can live out the truth that he is more important to us than anyone else. And this is the thing I guess I want to land on. Where does breakthrough start? It starts with God speaking. What are the promises of God? Well, the promises of God over you in Blackpool are huge, absolutely colossal, that the kingdom would come, that the lost would come to know Jesus, that the poor would be cared for, that the blind would be healed. These are the promises that we live with. We know We know the New Testament teaches us this and we've seen it in many places. We will see it again in Blackpool. That's the promises. But lastly, what's it about being the people of faith? Well, the people of faith are to be a people who are to be strong and courageous and don't be afraid and don't be discouraged. So people of Blackpool, I'm going to say it to you again. Be strong and be courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. People of Blackpool. (laughs) be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For God is with you. God bless you richly. Love you loads. Hopefully see you soon. Thank you for listening. For more information, downloads and podcasts, please visit ccblackport.co.uk